0: Hey y'all, I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie,
1: And we are Paranormal Chicks.
0: Episode 199. We are one away from 200. Math.
1: (laughs) I mean, Captain Obvious.
0: I know, but I'm just like, holy fuck. (laughs) I mean, like, I'm literally, I turn my head and I see all of our 100th episode cards. And we're at fucking 200 now. Well, next week. (laughs) Well, it's a sad day in the world. Well, sad week. I don't know. It's been a minute. Uh... Since fucking Betty White died, man, yes. I'm gonna be honest. I legit teared up. Me too. Me I, too. I have loved the Golden Girls since I was a kid, and yeah. I don't know. That's I just a, yeah. <laughs> well, and then like I like watching her stuff on the game show network. That's what and all I that. love
1: her from. <sighs> sad day. Well, 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 you know what makes us not sad,
0: ma'am? Okay. Going back to my hole over here. Yeah, don't don't try to do my shitty intros. <laughs> <They're
1: laughs> my called shitty segues. Yeah, see, I
0: don't even know what they're fucking called. But Patreoners. Oh, and by the by, we're both still sick. So, well, I'm still. She's got it now. So. <laughs> so, thank you so much, Moa R from Sweden. Gary J from Oregon. Betty H from Washington. Patricia R from California. Erica P from Wisconsin.
1: Carrie S from Illinois. Oh, hey, Carrie. Shy S from Kansas. And Ursula J. from Kentucky. Thank y'all so very much for joining Patreon.
0: Look, you're getting all the bonus content from here on out and all the backlog. We've actually seen a few of y'all reach out about this. Um, just remember that Patreon starts every single month. So if it's like one or two days before the month ends, make sure that you're joining at the beginning of the month because we don't have control of when it comes out. So like, if you join on like the 30th, It's going to come back out on the first from your account because we we don't have control of that. Patreon's gotten a lot of shit about it, um, but it's just how they do it and we literally can't change it. Right. So thank y'all so, so much for supporting us on Patreon. If you want all that bonus content, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. You get a freaking, basically an extra episode a week. It's a lot of us. You know, it really is. But I mean, if we have to deal with us, you do too. (laughs) Uh, one more thing though. Y'all are gonna be like, welcome to two thousand when I say this. But I finally started fucking watching Harry Potter. I have seen Oh really? Yes, I have seen the first two movies and it is fucking good. Is I know it? everybody right now is like, uh duh, but no, it's fucking good. I love it. Like I'm like, ooh we don't have to record tomorrow. I can watch the third movie. Oh
1: my God. Like I'm made excited. I watch it.
0: Colby just, you know, he just like Colby watches movies. Like everybody else would watch TV, like just puts it on the background, you know, and he put it on and I was like, mm. like, it was like at least 30 minutes into the first one, but I've seen the beginning of the first one. I've just never actually watched more than like him getting to Hogwarts. You know what I mean? Not even that far, actually. Anyway. um, So he had it on and I just started watching it. And I'm just like, oh, this is this is really good, actually. Okay, 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 okay. I can That's get on this so board. Funny. I can get on this board. I can get on this train. I can get on board with this train. Whatever the saying is. <laughs> well, I would have never thought it. I know. I'm, like, really late to the party. Like, really late. Um, but it's really good. Well, I'm still not there. Haven't shown up. Well, you just come when you're ready. <laughs> well, another thing that we're probably uh, late to... But, I mean, it's never too late to start
1: taking care of yourself. Very, very true. New year, who dis?
0: Yeah, but we're not going to do that, though, because no. we're. I like those memes that are like, New year, same bitch. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm about that life, but the other life I'm about is taking better care of the insides because I'm tired of fucking being sick.
1: Yes, oh my gosh.
0: So this episode is sponsored by Care of. And I'm sure that y'all have heard about it because duh. Again, we're late to the party. But y'all can be late with this. Just show up. I mean, even if you're an introvert, still show up because nobody has to know that you're there.
1: Exactly. You don't have to talk to anybody.
0: You can stay in the corner on your phone, on your computer, doing your thing because all you have to do is because all you have to do is go to takecareof.com, fill out this quick little questionnaire, wants to get to know you and the things that are important to you and your body, and it helps pick out the vitamins that are best
1: for you. Because I'm just gonna say, if you're like me and you go to your neighborhood pharmacy, uh, there's a shit ton of vitamins, all the things. It's expensive. And And so you don't know what to get. Yeah. And like, what the heck is half
0: of that shit for? Exactly. Can I just tell you, look, I need you to support my immune system because we all know that I have a primary immune deficiency and we all know that Donna has an autoimmune deficiency. So uh, our immune systems need some fucking help. We're old and we're extra large pizzas. So we need some joint help.
1: (laughs) And that's where this comes in. They take the like, what? Out of all of that. Yeah. So you go online, you fill out this
0: quiz And it tells you what vitamins it recommends. So, like, for me, it told me, Bish, you got to start taking some fish oil. You got to start taking some collagen and iron because you're tired all the fucking time. Keep up your vitamin D and uh, let's try a new probiotic. And you do love a probiotic. Girl, I take... You have to. I take so many vitamins every
1: day because of my immune deficiency. Mm -hmm. Mine was more vitamin C because, again, sick as fuck. Case in point, we're both sick right now. And collagen, but unlike you, it was for my skin. I think yours was for your joints. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got those knobby knees, you know. (laughs) You do. But also they have powders too. So it's not just pills, whatever. And so I have a collagen powder and this uh, melatonin that comes in like a little, they call it a dream stick because, you know, you about to have some dreams. That literally sounds like your Saturday night. You're on a dream stick. (laughs) And I don't mean melatonin. (laughs) Okay. I like where you're going with that. But you can just empty it into a drink. And because I've taken melatonin before and the chewable ones... I would rather have a little drinky drink.
0: Yeah, um, I've taken melatonin one time and it made my eyes crawl, so I don't need that.
1: (laughs) No, you don't.
0: So that's not in my plan.
1: So you can see it's very tailored.
0: Like we said, Care-of is a subscription-based service that ships these high-quality, personalized vitamins and powders straight to your door Every freaking month. You ain't got to go to the grocery store. You don't got to go to anywhere to get this. They fucking send it to you. So if you want fucking 50% off of your first order, go to takecareof.com. That's T-A-K-E-C-A-R-E-O-V.com and enter the promo code CREEP50. Y'all know we're creepy. We like to creep it real. We like to do all the creepy creep things and we damn sure love 50 freaking percent off so head on over take care of.com and enter creep 50 for 50 percent off your first order all right what you got this week
1: well i'm taking us to santa fe new mexico to talk about the la pasita hotel okay but before we get to the hotel we need to know the history it wasn't always a hotel. It was built as a home by Abraham Staub. I wonder if he's related to Daniel Staub from Real Housewives of uh, Jersey. How is her name spelled? S-T-A-U-B, I think. Oh, his is S-T-A-A-B. Abraham had immigrated from Germany to the U.S. in 1854 when he was 15. He had followed his older brother over, and they both got into the trading business where they sold wholesale dry goods. Anything from grain to uniforms to the army, and they both became very, very wealthy men. There really is a job for everything. Mm Mm-hmm. But something was missing in Abraham's life. And in 1865, he traveled back to Germany, and most say it was in hopes of finding a wife which he did. He met Julia Schuster. She was 21 years old and the daughter of a wealthy merchant in Germany. Abraham was 26 and they were both Jewish. It's unclear if they knew each other beforehand or not, but they were both from the same village. Well, they arrived back in Santa Fe and at this point, Abraham was one of the richest men in Santa Fe. Holy shit. Hmm. i was just thinking like how
0: hard is it to like fall in love or maybe not even fall in love but like meet your husband depending on how it was set up you know meet your husband and then have to move to another country especially a different speaking country yeah like i just all these people that meet their spouses because their spouse was in the military or whatever and i'm like And y'all just leave
1: everything. Like, how Mm -hmm. do y'all... Man. Yeah. And it was a trek for them to get here. Like, they went by boat, plane, carriage, everything. Like, it was a long journey. It wasn't just like, oh, first class, let's go.
0: Oh, hell no. I mean, I want first class, but you know that ain't what they took. Right. I've never been in first class.
1: Me either. Well, Abraham promised Julia a life no one could dream of. And he fulfilled that promise. They had eight children together and not only built a large family together, but they built Santa Fe's first Victorian mansion. I mean, you know, marrying the richest guy in Santa
0: Fe sure does make having to do that long trek from your home
1: country a little bit easier. Yeah, but she was used to it because her parents were wealthy. Well, the mansion quickly became the social hotspot And Julia loved to throw fancy parties. Like, the third floor was a ballroom. That kind of fancy. And, like, they hosted all the important people. You know, people would come to attend those parties. And that's it. Everything was going splendid for the Stobbs until the birth of their eighth child. Soon after the birth, their daughter, the eighth child, died. Oh. Julia never recovered from that deep loss. She... Refused to eat, refused to socialize, to even sleep. And she ended up shutting herself in her room for two weeks. And there's a story, like story has it, that when she finally came out of the room, her dark hair had completely turned gray and that she looked like she had aged years. Which could be true, like with the looking that she aged years because like dehydrated and... All the things, you know, like stress. I was going to say, stress does that to you. Mm -hmm. But like I said, she never fully recovered. Even after she tried to live her life and be the wife and mother she wanted to be, she was overwhelmed by sadness. In 1896... Julia died in their house just 52 years old. Oh, my God. Now, some say that Julia was not as happy as she appeared to be, that Abraham was strict and kind of kept her in the home as a cage. It is known that the death of their last daughter took a toll on their marriage because of how Julia was grieving and Abraham was trying to move on in a different manner than she was. And also, when Julia died, it was kind of mysterious. And so people started to spread rumors that Abraham had murdered her, or hired someone to kill her, or that Julia died by suicide to escape that prison that Abraham had like built for her, basically. It's also rumored that Abraham was involved in some shady business deals. And that kind of stuff could have led to her death. Abraham was rumored to have multiple affairs. And After a long friendship with the local archbishop, who was like BFFs with Abraham, it's rumored that Julia had her own affair with the archbishop. Okay, so it should be known that though her death was mysterious, Julia was often sick and would travel to different spas and retreat type deals to find cures and stuff. Abraham had hired a nun named Sister Blandina Segal, And she was to travel with Julia on her journeys to, you know, get help and also help out around the house when Julia wasn't feeling great. You can just hire a nun for that? I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's like a housekeeper or like an assistant. Yeah, well, he was good friends with the archbishop. True. And I think the... Archbishop was like, Hey, Sister Blandina, go help yourself. Yeah, she can help you out. Julia's family has spoken out that she did seem sad in some of her journals that she kept, but it was like sad because she never felt at home in Santa Fe. She wrote about how she felt like she was ripped from Germany and the lavish life she was living there, surrounded by culture, and then taken to a foreign place where she was the most cultured person. And she just, I don't know, like Santa Fe never lived up to her standards, it felt like. In 1936, the mansion was bought and turned into a hotel, the La Pasita Hotel, which means resting place. So it makes sense. And although most get rest there, there's a few people who have experienced a ghost, and it's thought to be Julia Staub. In 1979, that's when the hauntings kind of started there's an employee, a janitor who was cleaning up and it was late at night. That person was all alone. Well, when the employee looked up from cleaning, they saw a gray headed woman in a Victorian style dress standing close to the fireplace. But the woman was not fully opaque. So they knew, okay, this isn't a real person. What the fuck? And oh yeah, it kind of looks like Julia. Well, later, without knowing that the other employee had seen anything, a security guard told about seeing a person who was roaming the hallway and gave that same description. He said that he was scared, ran the other way when he saw her because his brain was like, that's a ghost. Get out of here. And after that, the hotel's energy seemed to be charged up. The fireplaces that were gas, they would turn on by themselves or just off randomly. Many have heard sounds that go bump in the night, like people dancing on the third floor where the ballroom had been because there was a fire that destroyed the original ballroom. The chandeliers in both the bar and the living room have basically rotated, like turned on their own without a breeze or anything. Another curious little thing that happens, flower vases will be moved to different locations throughout the hotel. Curious little thing. (laughs) And I don't know if it's just any flowers, but it's said that Julia's favorite flower was a red rose. So I don't know if it was just like those that had red roses in it or what one night a guest saw a rocking chair moving back and forth for no scene reason that's when i'm like nope 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 because that's just fucking scary because it's in all the scary movies all like are you afraid of the dark can we normalize rocking chairs because they're my favorite <laughs> in the bar area Glasses will fall off the shelves for no reason. And in the same bar, there was this waitress who said it felt like someone was pushing her trays from underneath and causing her to drop like the drinks and everything. She could have been finding an excuse for like lack of skill or something, but she had worked there for a while, never had trouble before or after that night. Yeah, that's why I trip over all those pebbles. (laughs) Ghosts and shit. Uh Uh-huh. It might be. See, I'm really, I'm just sensitive and y'all didn't know. No, I, I know you're sensitive when you say there's an inverted cross or whatever you said on my forehead. One time I see something on your forehead. <laughs> and she like looked off into space and then said it. I'm like, what? In my defense, I was half asleep. <laughs> that is when the veil is thin, Carrie. Touché. There's one room in particular, and it's room 256, and that belonged to Julia. So, of course, it's had lots of activity. In 1991, a security guard, Chuck, was helping a clerk give like an impromptu tour of the hotel to some guests. Well, they got to room 256, and they knocked because it's a routine that they have to do to make sure... It's clear, but they weren't expecting anything because that room was empty. Like it was, it showed that it was empty, but they heard this delicate voice say, I'm in here. So the clerk was like, let me go double check before we open this door, went to the front desk, confirmed that it was empty and it was, they opened the door and no one was in there, but they all heard the voice. Okay, I don't buy that, because a lot of those
0: places that are, like, faking, haunting stuff, they'll have something like that. Like, I can't even remember what we were watching one time, or hell, maybe it was one, it was actually it was one of your stories, and they, like, did something to the piano, Yeah, like, touched it or something like that, and then it just, oh, miraculously started playing. Yeah, well, they fucking hit a button, just like this, like, oh, I hear a voice. Yeah, well, because you just cued the person in there that's faking it. Or whatever turned on the recorder or whatever to be like, seats taken. Like you, you but know. no I mean?
1: one else has said it. So why would it only be this one time? I,
0: maybe. I don't know. I'm just saying <laughs> that it's like the perfect. And no one was in there. Yeah. Well, you don't think they have trap doors? Oh, my God. I watched Scooby-Doo.
1: You are making this extravagant. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a fucking extravagant mansion. They probably had <laughs> secret passages. You don't think they had trap doors? God, it could be a ghost. But it you, could be a person who went upstairs through the trapdoor, threw their voice, then raced downstairs. Okay. Did you not watch the murder mystery saved by the
0: Bell? It's a thing. Lisa got lost in the fireplace.
1: Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that that instance is far fetched for Carrie. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I mean, Zach was about to go to jail,
0: and then he figured it out.
1: Oh, my God. How do you remember those details? (laughs) I don't know. What did I have for lunch? Unsure, but that I remember. (laughs) Okay, so that security guard, his son, John, also worked as a security guard at the hotel. He was probably the one faking. (laughs) Well, this was a year later and he had his own experience. He was doing his rounds at night and just making sure no one was lollygagging around. So he went and checked the public men's restroom. And when he opened the door, he saw a reflection of a woman's face in the mirror. He instantly had a cold chill shoot through his body. And he was like, boy, bye. Ran outside without checking the other restrooms, without turning out the lights, he was just like, get me the fuck out of here. There was also a married couple who had requested Julia's room during their stay, and the husband was super skeptical, Carrie, but wanted to do some tests to see if it was haunted or not, Donna. And he had heard that Julia was very particular on being tidy. Neither of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so he left the top dresser drawer opened, and he woke up during the middle of the night to the sound of the drawer being closed. Also, the drawer being open, that's Tiffany. She will not shut a cabinet door all the way. Me neither. And um, you know what annoys Colby so bad? His little
0: sunglasses thing and this drug uh-huh. like, that you keep your glasses in, um, he lets me use that, and when I take my sunglasses out, I never close it back. Oh
1: my god! It makes him so mad. Why not? I just don't. It's I don't think about it.
0: Oh, my God. Like That's
1: an extra step. I just don't want to do That would drive me bonkers, too.
0: Yeah, I'm not about doing that step.
1: <laughs> like, Tiffany throws the, like, shuts the drawer, but it, like, stops
0: right I there. I do that, too.
1: And she won't push it in. I'm like, okay, let me just push that in. Another incident happened when Ross and Holly, who were boyfriend and girlfriend, or, you know, in a relationship. Why didn't I just say that? They stayed the night at the hotel. Ross woke up in the middle of the night and saw a person standing at the foot of their bed. But this person was see-through and kind of seemed like glowing. Like there was something about it that wasn't normal. He said he tried to rub his eyes like, what the fuck am I seeing? And then he just put his head down was like, okay, I'm gonna go back to sleep. You know, like the normal thing, like something scary. Let me just go back to bed. Well, he opened his eyes because he was like, oh my God, wait, what was that? And it became more defined of a shape. And it was definitely a woman. And they were in the room across the hall from Julia's room. Ross flipped on the lights, was like, get your shit, Holly. We're getting out of here. And they really did pack up and they left that room. On an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, a paranormal group led by Christopher Chacon. They investigated the hotel and Ross and Holly actually helped with the research and stuff too. And like kind of just showed like, okay, this is where I was. This is what happened, blah, blah, blah. That group really didn't find any evidence of anything. They did like scientific investigations. So they had a doctor, a psychologist, and an electrical engineer. And so they did different tests to see like what could be causing this not a haunting. Like, is it something in the carpet? Is it something in the air? Is it... Whatever, and they couldn't find anything. So, I definitely appreciate those types of investigations way more than
0: the like I'm going to provoke this thing and then it's going to yeah you know possess me.
1: Right. I want both of those. Like, I want some. That's why it's good. Like me and you. Like you would come more scientific, and I'd be like, here's an emotional object that that person would be attached to. Let's see if it blah 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 blah. Yeah. No. So that's really all I have for the haunting of La Pesita Hotel. But there's the one story I have to tell y'all. So Sister Blandina Sigal, hopefully saying her name right, because she was a badass, she became known as the fastest nun in the West. And one time she was returning to Santa Fe with Abraham and the Archbishop, because they had just dropped Julia and like her two daughters off at the train to go again on like a retreat thing. Well, they were returning and they heard someone outside their coach. So when they looked, there were some men on horses and Abraham and the archbishop like got their guns ready to fire. But Sister Blandina told everyone to put down their guns and she moved her bonnet so her face was exposed. And one of the men raised his hat, waved like took a little bow, and then galloped away. And the others followed him. That man was Billy the Kid. What? Yes. And he knew Sister Blandina because she had nursed one of his gang members as he died. And so Billy the Kid was like, I am forever in service to you. Like, blah, 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 blah. So, like, how fucking cool is that? What in this badassery? I know. I know. So I had to include that, even though it had nothing to do with Julia other than oh, they just dropped her off, but Billy the Kid, and just, like, could you imagine, like, her just moving her bonnet, and then it's, like, oh, and there you go, ma'am, like. I bet they were, like, what the what? Right? Also, it just goes to show you, because, like, she didn't have to care for that guy and, like, be there, and she, I think she talked about, like, forgiveness and everything else while he was dying, because, hello, and Billy the Kid's gang, probably not such a great guy, like, had probably killed people, you know, all the things, and she could have just been like, peace, like, you're dying anyway, whatever, but she took the time, she did all the things, and basically, that saved her, Abraham, and the Archbishop's life that day, so you never know when kindness really will be the answer. Damn, way to go, sister. I wonder if she's kind of Steven Seagal. Well, okay, so that's why I didn't say Seagal, because that's not how he spells his name. Gotcha. I don't, I don't think, because there's an E at the end of it. And I don't Eh. think his has an E. Segale. That's probably it. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) Segale? Dorothy Gale? (laughs) Because that's also why I said Gale, because of that. (laughs) Uh,
0: That was a good story. Uh, Julia
1: would hate me because I'm not cultured.
0: (laughs) No, but um, that last bit was my favorite part of that whole story.
1: I know. Like, I was like, I have to do this. Because when I was reading it, I was like, Billy the Kid, wait, What? That's a, like, whoa connection. Yes.
0: But I really can get behind those investigators who took a more, like, logical, scientific approach. Yes. That I can get behind.
1: Yeah. Well, like I said, I think it needs to be both. That's what I liked about the OG ghost hunters. Even though they didn't have, like, a psychologist or anything like that on their team or an engineer, they did go in because they worked with, like, well, I I think it was rotor rooter but... They talked about the pipes. They tried, you know, they tried to do other things instead of like first going in and being like demon. Yeah. Also, I totally forgot when you were talking about Harry Potter, I started watching something too. And I'm kind of late to the show. Not that late, (laughs) but it's called Ted Lasso. And it's got Jason Sudeikis, I think is his name, in it. And at first I was like, it's a comedy. So, you know, I'm not... Huge fan of comedies for some reason, but oh my god, it's so good and he's so positive and everything, so it's like it makes me happy yeah, watching that. I've heard of it, but I've never watched it. It's definitely worth a watch, it's on Apple TV. Well,
0: speaking of TV shows, my story that I'm doing tonight, um, I actually saw an episode of Dateline, but it's been on a ton of stuff, it's been on. 48 hours, unusual suspects, like, all the fucking things. This is the story of Megan Nicole Landowski. Megan was 16 years old at the time of this story, and she was so freaking loved. Like, the episode of Dateline spends a
1: solid 10 minutes about talking about how fucking amazing she is. Oh, wow. She... <laughs> well, I'm just thinking, I mean, it'd be... She was cool. And <laughs> go on about me. She's
0: funny. She's all right. Yeah. All right, bye. 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 <laughs> But not in one of those like light up the rooms kind of awesome. Like she was genuinely kind and cared about people and was friends with literally everyone and just loved her life. She lived with her mom and stepdad, Chris and Angela Short. She had a sister named Elizabeth and a brother named Corey. And she had a ton of friends. She'd actually gone to a couple of different schools because she was this amazing dancer. And so for a little while, I think it was just her ninth grade year in high school, she went to a magnet school for the arts. So there was all kinds of amazing artsy people there, people who played instruments, people who were dancers, all the things, I'm sure painting and all, I know specifically the music and the dance, but I'm sure all the arts. She had super high energy, but she was able to kind of hone it in and was really good at ballet. Like, even in the Dateline episode, they were talking about how amazing her feet was. Like, she just, it was like she was born for ballet. She was petite in stature. Like, she looked significantly younger than she was because she was only 16, but she was like a ballerina. She was smaller for her age. You know, very high arches, all the things. So she was going to school at a magnet school for the arts, which if you're, I don't know if, people outside of the u.s have those but basically they do because i watched a australian show basically about that okay well not everyone that listens is from here or australia <laughs> basically if a school like a magnet school it brings people in from other school districts to that school to like helps with diversity and it helps with you know things i don't i don't really know what it does but it, it lets you go to schools outside of your district because Of something you do well. So, like, whether it be, like, math, arts, whatever, it's a magnet school.
1: I literally just got why they call it a magnet school. It draws you to other places? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, she's going to school, doing an amazing job, dancing. She has her outside dancing. She has her school dancing. She has all the dancing. And her parents notice her grades start to slip. And they're like, um, what the fuck is going on? You know, she's normally very studious, like, good grades, all the things. And then they start noticing... Personality changes. She's kind of hanging out with the wrong crowd. They thought that this new friend, he might dabble in drugs. And then a couple of times Megan came home and was like, I'm going straight to bed. And they're like, Mmm, and she ha. So, <laughs> suspicious. Right. So they did a drug test on her and they found pot in her system and they're like yeah uh how about you not do that anymore and she's like cool cool because you know well not shaving pot but like she's a good kid she's gonna listen to her parents
1: she's a good kid she's gonna listen to her parents i'm sure they told her not to do drugs before yeah, but, you know, she had to dabble. <laughs> it's like... It's just pot. It's just how you said it. Like, she's a good kid. She's going to listen to her parents Well, she didn't before.
0: Well, and the story also happens in 2008. So, like, way before legalized pot, I feel like. Fuck if I know. I know. I don't know either. But I know that's, like, 12 years ago. <laughs> no. No. 14. Yeah. That was bad math. Because, you know what? In my head, I thought it was 2020. Yeah. Okay. So, she kind of backs off of smoking weed, but her, her grades are still slipping. She's not as engaged. Like even her friends, when they do see her at dance, like she's just withdrawn. She's just changing. So her family was like, well, maybe she wants to get away from this magnet school. Like maybe it's all too much. Like the kind of elite level of dancing, like maybe she just wants to do her after school dance and go back to her typical high school life. So they're like, okay, look, let's change schools. Like you can get out of that school, you know, just tell us what the fuck is going on. And she wouldn't tell him, wouldn't tell him, wouldn't tell him until one day her stepdad finally got out of her that she had been in a sexual relationship with an older man. Oh, shit. And, and let's just call this what it is because she's young and he's older and it's a fucking, it's sexual assault. But to make matters worse, who she tells her stepdad that, that has been assaulting her is his best friend. Oh, my gosh. So, stepdad Chris and a guy by the name of Robert Hickey were both in the Navy.
1: In the Navy.
0: So, Robert Hickey was, as everything says, like, on his way to being ranked captain. So, he was, like, working his way up in his naval career. And, again, was best friends with Chris. Like, their families hung out together. Robert and his wife had four kids.
1: Wow. From, like,
0: the ages of 13 to let's say two because i can't remember how young the youngest one was it was like one or three so we're just gonna split the difference and say two okay <laughs> um but four kids under the age of 13 and what is so gross to me it will not everything everything but like when he started grooming megan that's like that age that your oldest daughter is you piece of shit oh my gosh so Megan goes on to tell her parents, and, and her mom even says, like, are you sure? Because, like, we support you, and we're here for you, and we will do whatever. But, like, are you sure? Because this is going to ruin a man's life. Like, are yeah. you sure? And she's like, yes, I'm sure. Like, they believed her, but they're also like, this is serious. you Yeah, know? yeah. So, she goes on to tell her parents that when she was 14, he started grooming her, like, separating her from everybody so she gets more comfortable being alone with him, complimenting her on how beautiful she is and all the things. And also remember, she was very small for her age, too. So that makes it even more icky to me. Uh So, again, she's 14. And at that point, once he's kind of groomed her, getting her used to the compliments and um separating her from her family so it's not like so weird like i'm with my dad's best friend and we're by herself you know because that's mm-hmm. bizarre then he kisses her and that was like the test to, that I, I think like uh-huh. okay is she gonna say anything because like he did something wrong but like not really legally so you know like is she gonna say anything and she doesn't so That, in his mind, in his sicko fucking mind, I guess, was his green light, which by no means is she responsible for his actions, and that ain't what I'm fucking saying. He's a creeper fucking creep, and needs to be locked up for all of eternity, and never allowed to be around kids again. However, he used that as... Like, a barometer to test, like, where Uh she was. That's when he started, like, touching her more. And then when she turned 15, that's when, like, the sexual relationship started. So, he's, like, I think 30 at the time. So, when her family finds out, they're like, okay, so what do you, you know, what do you want to do now? Like, we can go to the police. And she does. And they 100% support her. And it was like, once she got it out, she felt better. And her life started kind of going back to what it was before. She was more happy-go-lucky. Her grades started coming up. Like, even though she was going through all of this with, like, law enforcement and all, trying to get charges pressed on him and all of that. So even though all of that was happening, she was getting back to her old self because she wasn't hiding this deep, dark secret and this shame that she felt. Right. Which is not her fucking fault. She... I mean, I can't tell her how to feel, but, like, she's not responsible for his actions. And yeah. she should never feel shameful for what an adult did to her right so the family takes it to police and megan tells the detective you know she's really nervous at the beginning and i kind of like the way he made her feel more comfortable because he said on the dateline episode basically there's nothing you can say that's going to embarrass me yeah like this is what i do for a living like you're you you can't shock me you can't embarrass me just tell me what happened and i was like you know what like i like that because She probably felt embarrassed and didn't want to say those words to another adult, another male adult. And I don't know, I feel like he, I like the way he put her at ease. So, she goes on to tell him everything that happened. And the detectives tell her parents, well, the state of Virginia's laws, which is where they lived, is that he can only be charged with a misdemeanor. Oh my gosh. Like, the most he would get is 12 months in prison Because she was 15. So I was like, he "He fucking knew the law. That piece of shit. This, I firmly do not believe that this is the first time this has happened. Uh -uh. He knew the fucking law, which is why he didn't start sexually assaulting her until she was 15. Exactly. I was like,
1: you piece of fucking shit. Uh huh. Because nothing changes in that much from 14 to 15 besides those laws. Right. Especially
0: when you're starting when she's 15 and she looks young for her age. You probably like him younger, uh-huh. you sick fuck. Yes. So the family's like, holy shit. Like, what are we going to do? Like, what a fucking blow to their lives. Like, I'm sure with that, he probably wouldn't even have to be registered as a sex offender if right. it's a misdemeanor. Yeah. So they're like, but wait, he's in the fucking Navy. We can get the NCIS involved. Ooh, I love that show. Okay, not that one. <laughs> uh, we can get them involved, the actual, like police for the military and they're going to be like with their code of conduct Uh they're going to go way harder on him well hickey didn't think about that did he right well megan tells the police though she's like is he gonna come after me like is he gonna kill me and they're like no like this stuff doesn't usually end up like like it doesn't you know like it's just no he's not going to he's got too much to lose like he's got four kit you know like
1: that ain't gonna happen well he's already got
0: too much to lose and he's done true shit true she really did fear for her life and police and her parents tried to comfort her and be like no you're safe it's okay
1: yeah no she knew what was up because too you're taking away he was going to be captain and stuff. You know what I mean? So, like, that's a big thing. Right. And if he was convicted
0: through the military, he loses his pension. Uh-huh. He loses everything.
1: So, that's a lot. I mean, I understand her being scared of that, for sure.
0: So, the NCIS gets involved, and they're like, no, like, we completely think that she's credible, and they're going to move forward with charges against Robert Hickey. Well, on April 10th,
1: 2008... Ooh, two days after my birth... Oh. One day before your birthday. I was like, (laughs) Leo, make this about me. (laughs) I was like, wait, she's in April.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Also, remember last week I did a story on my Uh birthday. It's so
1: weird that these just happened to do that. Mm -hmm. Aries, let me search and see what happened around my birthday. I swear, I swear
0: I didn't. (laughs) Okay, so April 10th, 2008. Megan got out from school early that day. And her mom was like, hey, call me when you get home. And she did. She called her mom when she got home, but she had to leave her a message. And was like, hey, love you. My day was awesome. Gotta go. Bye. Megan starts making herself a lunch when she hears a noise. Someone has come into the house.
1: Oh, no. A few
0: hours later, her stepdad, Chris, gets home and finds Megan's dead body.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: He calls 911 a fucking wreck and okay I thought I heard at the very beginning of his call say my daughter's been sexually assaulted and there's blood everywhere like I was like that's weird how you know that you know like I don't know. I felt like that was weird, but spoiler alert, he literally had nothing to do with this. So you really don't know how someone's going to react and what they're going to say on a 911 call when they're seeing the most horrific scene they've ever fucking seen in their entire life. Right. Because he walks in and he sees that Megan is naked from the waist down. Her arms are tied behind her back with tape and there really is... Blood fucking everywhere. Oh, my God. Well, I understand why he would say that. Thing. Right, right. And I guess, like, in his mind, too, it's like, given what she's been through, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, my fucking God, again. You know, like. Yeah. So that's why I say, like, when I first heard that, I was like. Ooh, that's weird because I didn't know the Robert Hickey part at that point yeah. either. So that's why I say like you truly don't know how someone's going to react on a 911 call when they are literally in the most horrific moment of their lives because the family literally never went back to this house. They never oh, lived in this house gosh. again after this day. So just you got to give people a little benefit of the doubt with some 911 calls yeah. sometimes. Yeah, Which is why that's not an exact science of trying to figure out people's verbiage and their inflection in their voice and all of that when they're on their 911 calls. I mean, think about the JonBenet Ramsey and how many ways that people have tried to dissect what Patsy Ramsey says. Yeah. And there's literally, you could split the fence because it's not an exact science because right. again, you n- have no idea where, how you're going to react on that moment. Megan had been stabbed 43 times. Oh my gosh. 11 of them were postmortem. The fucking rage. Exactly. So the detective that gets to the house is the same detective that at the time when everything was going on with the Robert Hickey incident was working for like basically the special victims unit and had moved to homicide. So he went from helping her when she was alive and trying to get her justice to now he's solving her murder. Wow. So that was really hard for him because he basically promised her she was okay and that she wasn't going to die. And here she is, murdered. brutally murdered. Yeah. So the police are looking to see, like, is there forced century, Like, what's going on? They found a leaf by a window that was like the same leaf that was on the bush outside the window. So they're like, okay, well, that's probably how they came in. There were footprints in the blood and there was some blood that was left by the perpetrator. The police figured that the attack actually happened in her bedroom because that's where her underwear was and the roll of tape was there. And so they figured that that's where everything kind of started. But from her bedroom, they know that she was able to get out of there and run and fight off her attacker. Because she was downstairs when she was actually killed. So she was able to flee and try to escape and fall back and all the things. And she just was not strong enough to fight off this attacker. The crime scene was even a little chaotic too. Because you could tell that the person who killed her had washed their hands in the sink. And they left one of the knives in the sink. But there was a knife from the butcher block missing. So they figured that they took that knife with them. Which they ended up finding later in a storm drain, like not super, super far from the house. So I'm wondering if the first knife got so bloody that they switched knives. Because you know, we were just last, I think it was yep. just last episode, we were talking about how when a killer, when there's so much blood, their hands will slip on the knives. And so I'm wondering mm-hmm. if they were like, fuck this, let me get another one. Yeah. Well, Chris, he immediately calls NCIS and is like, he fucking killed her. Like he killed her.
1: You know how I make everything a movie in my head when you're doing your stories. This is the movie you had in your head. No, I was thinking it was Hickey's wife who might have done it, but then you said her she was naked from the waist down, and that didn't compute. Yeah, yeah. but I was like, okay, okay. So. Unless
0: she was like trying to like defile her in some yeah in some way as like revenge if he had somehow gaslighted her into believing that
1: exactly Megan
0: like came on to him which is not that's not even fucking possible because she's a fucking child so even if she was making advances you're a fucking adult and she's a child so keep it in your goddamn pants exactly and take yourself out of the fucking situation you piece of shit right so police immediately bring him in for questioning and They're like, where the fuck were you? Like, what was going on? And when they, like, handcuffed him and brought him in. Because, of course, they think he just, like, brutally murdered this girl. So, they are not holding back. Right. He is, like, falling to the ground, sobbing, all the things. And I'm just like, the fucking theatrics of it all. Ugh, I can't stand him. Yeah. So, of course, they're like, did you do it? And he's like, no, I didn't fucking do it. And they're like, well, where were you? And he's like, well, I was at work. And I don't even remember what all he said he had to do. But... Here's the thing is that because the killer had left blood at the scene, they had DNA evidence that, that they could compare it to to see if it was actually him. And so they're interviewing him. And because here's the thing is that with the court martial or with the Article 32 hearing before a potential court martial or however the military system works, he has the right to face his accuser. So if she dies, this case disappears. What? Right. Right. So with her being dead, it's done. Yeah. There's, he's not gonna like lose his pension anymore. He's not in trouble with the military anymore. That's
1: so much motive. Right. Why would someone not be staked out of her, like outside her house? Because, um, what?
0: Right. So the police were like, tell us where you were. And he had a perfect alibi. He even said, he was like, I didn't know I had to keep tabs of where I was all day. I mean, fuck you. But also, really, who keeps tabs where they were? But he really was able to... He was like, the only time I was alone was when I went to the bathroom. Like, he really was with people that whole day. And so the police were kind of like, well, was it his wife? But the DNA showed that it was a man that attacked her, Mm. so they knew it couldn't be her. So, spoiler alert, though... Um, so it wasn't him that did it, but spoiler alert, because the case was dropped. Um, he was eventually discharged from the military. Like, I don't think, it wasn't like a dishonorable discharge, but it was not honorable because they truly believed her. Yeah, And with the suspicion around her murder and all of that, it goes against the code of conduct. So they were able to kick him out of the military. But let me back up a little bit. One of the places that he was that day was was marriage counseling with his wife. Oh, wow. Yeah. But because he was, like, not, like, less, I think it's called less than honorable discharge. I don't know. Everybody who's in the military is like, no, you dumbass. Um, He did lose his pension, and that, to me, sucks so much for his wife. Like, if she, I think that if, like, he had gotten accused of that, and let's say they got a divorce, like, I feel like she should still get that money. Like, you know, I mean, I know it's, I don't, I don't know, like, She's not responsible for his shit decision, and her life, and the lives of her kids is completely changed, and now she may not have money to send them to college and all this stuff because he made a shit decision.
1: Yeah, it sucks, but that's why people shouldn't be shit human. No,
0: I completely agree, and like, he deserved to be kicked out of the military and all the things, but it just really sucks for her, and like, Megan's parents even said that too. Like, it hurt their heart, of course, what happened to Megan, but also... For Robert's family and what they were about to go through mm-hmm. when this bomb got dropped on them. Yeah. Especially his kids and, like, his oldest daughter being, like, three years younger then Megan. Like, that has to be a mindfuck for his oh daughter. Oh, my gosh. And then all their daughter's friends who are like, okay, did something happen to you while you were exactly. there? You know, were, was he starting to groom you? Or, you know, it, it's just such a domino effect. Mm-hmm.
1: And he didn't care about any of that. No,
0: he only cared about himself. Yes. So speaking of that, while he was in the interview, they asked him, you know, did you do it? What were you doing all day? Yada, yada, yada. And they said, well, did you have a sexual relationship with her? And he said, I can't comment on that because of another investigation. And then later they start like really pushing him. Like, did you kill her? And he said, I can't remember exactly how he, like how it came up. But he said, basically... I'm responsible for the decision I made and what I did. Like, he basically yeah. said in that interview, he did it. Yeah. So, that's why I'm also, like, not allegedly, because the case was dropped. Mm-hmm. No, he basically said in the interview about her murder that he did it. So
1: yeah. Like, I did that, but I didn't kill her. Yeah,
0: he's like, I'm responsible for what I did to her and my family kind of thing. And I don't know. So, wow. that's, again, why I'm not, like, allegedly. Yeah. And I could not find anything about where he is now like all i know is that he was less than honorably discharged and that's fucking it i did find this one article what well, was on like that cura uh-huh um but it was like this is like kind of where he's now and it was like this is what he looks like in his prison guard but that's not him it's actually from another news article that had a guy named Robert Miller who had been arrested for some cold case murders. And the victim was Marilyn Hickey. Oh. And her son basically was like, he got what he deserved. And his name was Robert Hickey. And I don't know if it's the same Robert Hickey, because when you Google that, there's like a bunch of different people, yeah. obviously. So I don't know if it's the same one, but that picture that's attached to that Cura is, is robert miller that committed those two cold case murders one of which was Marilyn hickey it was about that so like that name is attached to that yeah you know so and the person's like 65 in that picture and he was 30 when this happened so that ain't him yeah um but anyway i just thought that was so interesting like it was tied to another murder case maybe or maybe not because i don't think that's the same robert right so now the police are like where the fuck do we go from here? It wasn't his wife. It wasn't him. Even though they are the most obvious suspects, like who the fuck was it? So the police get with the NCIS because they are in it to win it too, because they are like, no, we want to help. Like they helped as much in this investigation as the like regular police did. Yeah.
1: That, that like warms my heart that they didn't just drop it you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Well, they were doing some newer tests in 2008 so that they could see what like the genetic makeup of the DNA was. So like, they could tell like a geographical origin of the DNA. So they were able to determine that the biogeographical ancestry analysis, because I just found that in my notes finally, um, said that this killer was from Africa. So they're like, okay, this person's going to self-identify as an African-American. So that kind of narrowed the pool a little bit and also 100% showed that it wasn't Robert. Yeah. As douchey and fucker as he is, it wasn't him. So there were a couple of different people that they looked at. She had um, this youth camp that she went to. She did some karate. And so there was like a counselor, the karate instructor, all these different people that they were like kind of looked at. And one of them was a little sketch because all these people were offering their DNA, but there was this one that was like, yeah, no, not going to do that. I'm sick. (laughs) And so they were like, well, that's weird, but okay, we're just going to get it anyway. And so they were able to get it like off the handle of his car door yeah. and we're like, oh, okay, it's not him. So uh, he was sketched and we didn't like the way he handled it, but also it's completely within his right to refuse.
1: I know because conspiracy theorist over here, I'm like, I want to just give them my DNA to be like, prove that I'm innocent But then also, you have my DNA. What are you going to use it for? Right. Like, I don't know. Right. And again, it's
0: completely within your right to ask for an attorney and to not give your DNA and all these things. And it's like, as much on these crime shows as we want to be like, um, you need to fucking give your DNA because you need to help them and you need to do all the things. But if you're on the other side of that table and you really didn't do it, or even if you did, it's your right to fucking protect yourself. Yeah. So this goes on and on and on. And they have tons of DNA samples and they are just not able to figure out who this is. They go back to the cameras at the school and they're like following her around like is there something that we missed was there some sort of like fight at school that people you know like but everybody had nothing but good things to say about Megan and so they're like what the fuck is this there was even a memorial tree planted for Megan and this kind of weirded me out a little bit but I also love the ingenuity but it kind of weirded me out so, there was this tree planted as a memorial for her, and the police were like, well, maybe the killer is going to go back there to be like, yeah. I'm sorry, I did it kind of thing. Right. So, they set up a camera, like, inside a box, basically, of, like, something that somebody would have left at the tree yeah. so that they could see everybody coming through and, like, hear what they said and, you know, all the things, and it's like, I love the ingenuity of it, but also, like, if I was going to visit my friend's memorial and I was talking to them... I wouldn't want that on camera like I wouldn't want someone to have a copy of that private moment for me when I don't know you know what I mean yeah so like I'm on the fence about it while I'm like from a true crime solving type thing I'm like no that's fucking genius but from like a um outward emotions like that make me uncomfortable and I have secondhand embarrassment for these people and they probably didn't even know they were on camera like I don't that's icky to me
1: yeah, I think they did that on SVU before, like where they hid it in like a teddy bear or yeah, something. Yeah,
0: which again, I mean, you got to do what you got to do to solve the case within legal, rim, you know, whatever. But yeah, so but that was a bust. Like nothing came of it. About six months after the murder, some of her friends were like, "Look, let's put together a walk on her behalf and see if we can like help conjure up some leads." Like, you know, they were still getting some, but it just nothing was panning out. Well, that led to a tip from a bus driver that used to drive the bus that she took to her magnet school that was like, hey, you should really look into this kid named Robert Barnes. I think he had a crush on Megan and like she didn't feel the same way. Like you should probably look into him. He's kind of weird. So the police were like, flip, 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 flip. I've never fucking heard of him. Who's flip, 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 flip? Who the fuck is Robert Barnes, you know? So Robert Barnes did go to the same magnet school as Megan and did ride the bus. And he had even been to her house, you know, like he, I mean, they were friends, but he did like her more than she liked him. He was this violin player was amazing. I mean, he's going to a magnet school for his violining, you know,
1: <laughs> Yes.
0: and so he's this good student again, same thing. Nobody had anything negative to say about him. Everybody was like, no, he's a great kid. So the police bring Robert to the police station. And they're like, hey, like, did you know Megan? Like, tell us a little bit about her and y'all's friendship. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we were friends. We hung out sometimes, did recitals, all the things. And they're like, cool, cool, cool. How about you provide us a DNA sample? Because he's a African-American young man. Okay. And they also, with a profile that had been created, they knew that, one, the killer knew her. And two, they figured he was pretty young because the footprints that were left in the blood were Air Force One's sneakers. Oh, wow. And so they were like, okay, well, this is like the hip thing to wear. Yeah. Like, this is probably someone younger who's like, you know, cool and all the things. Yeah. So the police are like, hey, how about you give me a DNA sample? And Robert said exactly what he should have said as a high schooler. He was like, um, yeah, I don't mind, but let me ask my mom first actually yeah because i mean he's under age and he's like let me let me just check on my mom first right and they're like cool 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 talk to her let us know what she says
1: i can't believe she wasn't in there with him
0: but if they weren't like interrogating him if they were just bringing him in as a witness i don't think that she has to be but i mean no i know but you can legally i think they can interview a witness but they can't interrogate someone mm. so Robert actually calls the police back. And it was like, hey, I kind of remembered some stuff. Like, you know, um, I wanted to, like, chat with y'all again. And so they're like, okay, cool, we'll come to the school. So they call the school resource officer and, like, can you pull him from class? Because we got to, you know, he wants to come talk to us. Like, tell us all the things. So they get there and he's chatting with them a little bit and, like, telling them stuff they already know. Like, okay, like, why'd you call? Like, we know all this, you know. And they're like, hey, did you talk to your mom about... The DNA sample and he's like oh I didn't but I'm sure it's fine here's some gum and so he gives the police his gum
1: gross right so, I would be like uh, someone else can someone else get this well they didn't like they weren't like putting I it in their don't hand care they, like it put is. it
0: in like a napkin inside a glove inside a bag it's nasty it wasn't
1: like he was like quick. you just doing that sent shivers down my fucking spine
0: so he gives him the gum and fast forward to the dna results come back and it's like nine o'clock and the lab's like bro you gotta call me oh shit and so they're like what the fuck is the laptop? okay okay hey what you got and they're like so who'd you get this from and they're like yeah you know robert blah blah blah, blah, blah. and they're like robert's a-, a boy or a girl and they're like uh boy <laughs>
1: Boy, <laughs> like I don't know how you said that, but oh uh, boy, like boy.
0: So they're like, well, he did a bait and switch on you because this is female DNA.
1: Oh, uh, how do you have it in his mouth and not get his DNA on it? So
0: they're like, do you well, have
1: Invisalign, uh,
0: ma'am? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good thought. start <laughs> the TikTok. That's a really good joke. <laughs> but ma'am, no. Okay. You still make saliva.
1: I don't don't
0: know. (laughs) So the detective said that he did turn to like get a bag. So somehow in there, he fucking switched the gum out.
1: Man, Mr. Magician over there. Yes.
0: So that's some fucking premeditated shit to be like. Or maybe he was just like feeling under the desk and he was like, oh, I feel some gum. Oh, God. Uh, You know, I mean, uh, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how he did it. I don't know if it's premeditated. I don't know if some douche... Put it under the
1: table. Like, I don't know. It was premeditated because that's why he wanted them there. So he could be like, oh, yeah, here you go. Right. So the police are like, you
0: douche. Hey, Robert, um, we're going to need you to come down to the station. This time we have some more questions. And so this mom comes with him. And they're like, what happened to- you switched the gum like this was not yours and because the the previous dna proved that it was male dna and then this is female you know yeah. like it's not like i don't know because at first i was like <gasps> is he trans right. and then i was like wait that's literally impossible like the <laughs> dna <laughs> wouldn't change yeah Like, that's impossible. Right. Because I was like, oh, that is a twist I did not see coming. Right. But no, it's not. Because the DNA would literally still be the same. Yeah. So Robert Barnes proceeds to tell the police the dumbest fucking story ever. And you can tell that he is like, I'm so fucking smart. He basically tells police that he went over there to hang out with her. And that when he got there, there was like an intruder there. And that the intruder held a knife on them, forced him to have sex with her. And then cut the, you know. A, the the fake killer cut Robert's finger to like be like, and if you tell anybody, I will kill you. But like your DNA's here, so you got to keep your mouth shut, kind of thing. Right. Come so on. okay, <laughs> yeah, that didn't happen. And his mom was didn't ever tell him to not talk. Like his mom was like. Let me talk to him real quick before, like, y'all keep this interview going. And they, like, left and, like, went and sat in the car, I think, and chatted for a bit and then came back in and then he told this story. So, she was never, like, stopped talking. So, he's trying to explain off why his DNA is there and, like, from his blood and the sexual assault, like, all the things But they're like, yeah, but um, your footprints are the only ones there. Like, there's nobody else. And there's so much fucking blood that there would be someone else's footprints. Did they levitate? Like, what happened here? Robert's mom then was like, yeah, you should shut up. Stop talking now. And she's like, but he's a good kid. He's a good kid. And they're like, the DNA matches, bruh. You're under arrest.
1: Right. You know what I'm doing? I'm playing the world's smallest violin for Robert. I see what you did there. Thank you. So,
0: he, like I said, he's arrested and they have loads of evidence against him. So, he ends up taking a plea deal and gets like 172 years or something like that in prison with it suspended down to 42 years. So, he got he got 38 years because they like took the capital murder off the table. Okay. So, he got 38 years for first degree murder, two years for aggravated sexual battery, and two years for statutory burglary. So, all in all, he has to serve 42 years. So, I think he was like 16 at the time. So, he's going to be like 58 when he gets out of prison.
1: Still has a whole life.
0: Right. However, this made me giggle. And I don't know why this made me giggle so hard. So, Robert is trying, like four years ago, it was his last-ditch effort of trying to get out of prison. And he's saying that um, his lawyers were shit and... They like told him to take a plea deal. And if they hadn't have done all that, he would have gone to trial. But they also said that in like a private room, he had admitted to his attorneys that he did it. So legally, his attorneys could not put him on the stand because an attorney cannot put them, their client on the stand if they know they're going to perjure themselves like that. Oh. Like they can't legally, if they know that they did it, they told them they did it and they know that they're going to go on the stand and say they didn't do it, they legally cannot put them up there.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: So, I mean, it's like a code of conduct for attorneys.
1: Yeah, but I thought defense attorneys knew if their client was guilty. If the
0: client tells them, but the client doesn't always tell them. But if they do, they can't knowingly... Well, they're not supposed to. I'm not I'm sure some fucking do, but they're not allowed to knowingly okay. put them. And if you put and if that's found out, I'm sure they could get in trouble, disbarred, whatever. Yeah. So he says like even though he had like really good attorneys, he's he's like they were shit, everything was shit, and my mom didn't help me at all. He's quoted like in this like appeal paperwork that he submitted that they were like one of the articles I read was saying like you can tell he basically like just like copied chunks from other stuff but he said his mom was like a potted plant in that interrogation <laughs> i don't know why but i just got a visual with that and yes. it made me laugh so hard why like that she yeah she like fair? yeah like a potted plant would have been more helpful than his mom i don't know why that made me laugh so fucking hard but they everything's denied like bro sit your ass down go back to jail do not collect go do not collect go do not collect $200 just get the the fuck away
1: she was offering him nothing but shade (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's
0: funny i don't know why but that is hilarious to me but poor Megan's family literally never moved back into that house because he was in the navy they were like stationed somewhere else and I read one place that they were actually stationed in Mississippi. Oh wow. After that. So um I mean they're moving on and doing the best they can to pick up the pieces and missing Megan I'm sure like hell every fucking day and this poor girl went through so much Oh, and what when they thing they did find? Was they found a lot of like snuff stuff on his computer. Ugh. Like and like blog posts where he had talked about like wanting to like rape somebody and like kill him and so they really feel like they caught a budding serial killer. Right. Because it was and it because a lot of people it really did split the community a little bit because they're like okay, a white girl is murdered and you're going after the black boy and he's this good kid and he's all the things like he wouldn't do this, but it's like, no, the evidence really and truly did not lie in this one. And evidence literally said, this is his genetic makeup. Like it, 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 it didn't have anything to do with that truly in this instance. And it just was so hard for people in the community to wrap their head around this seemingly great member of society that by all accounts, it's almost like he just lost it and killed her. But Really and truly, no. he didn't. He's been planning this and wanting this, and she was someone that turned him down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he wanted to do this. And if he wasn't caught, there's no telling how many other times he would have done it. Yeah, I mean, he planned out enough because he had a knife with him. And then he, like, switched the gum and all of that. Like, he was a conniving motherfucker. Right.
1: It makes me so mad because they were friends, and he wanted more. She didn't. And, and that was his... Go to. Like, I'm going to rape her and I'm going to kill her. Like, I'm going to have her. Right. Because a girl can't tell me no. Exactly. Like, the ultimate,
0: like, literally the ultimate incel. Right. Yeah. He's the reason why women have to protect themselves and are fearful to say no because shit like this can happen. And I'm sure he touted himself as a nice guy Uh and the nice guy always finishes last. Oh my God.
1: I was about to say that. I was always there for her and I was blah, blah, blah. Yeah. As a friend. And that's what a friend is. Yeah. And
0: that doesn't mean you're entitled to something exactly. in return. If you're a nice guy, you're a nice guy. That does not mean you get something in return for it. And that goes for a nice girl. That goes for nice anything. Like whether it's sexual, where, whether it's monetary, whether it's a promotion at work, whether it's blah, 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 blah. Like you're not entitled to something for being normal. Right. I just feel so sorry for her family and for her, like for her more than anything, because she was going through so much with what she had been through with, Hickey Dicky. <laughs> yes. And... Well, and
1: his name was Robert Hickey, and this guy's was Robert.
0: Yeah, and you know what the weird thing is? The other guy that was in that story that Mary or may not be tied was Robert Miller. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I thought, like, Robert Hickey, like, because... One of his victims was Hickey. So sometimes, you know, like people...
0: Right, right. But I'm saying they were all three Roberts. Yeah, that is very weird. So stay away from Roberts and Petersons. If you oh, meet a Robert her. Peterson, fucking run. <laughs> right. Just kidding. Uh, sorry, all the Robert Petersons who probably don't listen to this podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> also going back to like what he could have been if he wasn't caught. I'm just thinking he went to this magnet school for violin. So he was very disciplined And whatever, so if he wanted to do something like how he had all the stuff, all the research and stuff, I just feel like he really would have went hard. Yeah. Like, it would have been bad. And if he would have not attacked someone he knows,
0: there's no telling. Exactly. And thank God for that fucking bus driver. was like, hey, have you checked this guy out? Because he was not on police radar at all. Right. Because they checked out all the people... In the school she was going to. I don't know if they just didn't for the old school or they thought like there had been
1: enough time
0: separated right. that it probably wasn't that. Pro- I don't know. That's just
1: so sad that two people who were close to her took advantage violated of her. Yeah. her. yeah. Yes. That's just, oh my gosh. I'm sure she felt like, who can I trust? Right. And you know, the thing is, okay, so how you, how you said it was like, she was making a sandwich or like, whatever. I think you said like, after like, she was making lunch. And apparently to me, that's a sandwich. Literally, I thought a sandwich. Too. Okay. <laughs> but I was thinking that and then she's like, Oh, my God, it's Robert Hickey coming to get me. And then it's her friend. And it's like, Oh, God, you know, like, you yeah, what are me. you doing here?
0: Why'd you come in through the window? I'm not Clarissa explains at all. Right. And then it's like, oh shit. Wait, why? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, why did you come through the window and he starts attacking her? Yeah.
1: Like that is just heartbreaking. Oh God. Why are people the worst? God, that's sad. I'm curious what everybody thinks about the pension thing.
0: I mean, if you start a conversation about this online, please be kind to each other. Everyone's entitled to their opinion and no one is wrong. So please don't come after each other. Remember it's a fucking safe space and be nice to each other. But like, I really do want to know what people think
1: yeah i mean it does suck but it sucks on everyone you know what i mean like yeah there's so many cases where well it
0: just sucks that like so many people had to pay a price for his shit decisions
1: yeah but i think too like hopefully that deters no someone no if you're gonna do something like that your money ain't stopping it well i mean the family and stuff just like no, it literally won't no, because if you're that
0: selfish and you're that awful that you're going to do something like that, your family doesn't mean shit because if they did, you wouldn't have fucking done it. Yeah. So that will literally never stop anybody. Yeah. Gosh. Well, thank y'all so much for listening as we are kicking off this new year. We're two weeks in and hopefully uh, it's going better than the last two for everybody.
1: Yes. Well, I mean, we're sick, but hopefully with sponsored care of we get better. Yeah, and you know,
0: uh, I started 2019 off sick and I was like, fuck, that was a shit year actually, so let's not uh, have a take two of that. Oh my gosh. Well, hopefully everyone had a happy new year and remember, creep it real and and don't don't get get scared. scared.